0: Welcome to the Lord's house. Will you stand with us? We're glad that you're here, we hope that you're ready to worship. Let's sing to him this morning.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, worship team. Isn't the Lord great? Isn't that awesome? Hey, and just like they sang in that song, we just, that's what we want. We want the, the Lord's spirit to fall in this place today and be with us. And we, we know he will. And so I'm just so thankful that you are here in the Lord's house today on this awesome Sunday morning. The Lord really did give us a beautiful day outside to be able to come and gather here in this place as the bride of Christ, as the church, with one another. So I hope you've got, had a few moments a fellowship with one another, be able to catch up on your week a little bit, Um, but again, we're so glad to see you, and we're ready for something incredible to happen in here today. I've already met a few new people here this morning. It's so great to have you, Um, and I want to welcome you as a first-time guest. Um, We want to get to know you and tell you all about our church, so right after service, fill out, take the little uh, Connect card that's in the chair back in front of you, Fill that out, and then right after service, meet me back here at this table out these back doors. Me and a couple others will be there. We want to be able to tell you about our church, what's all going on, so much, so many things happening throughout the week. We may, we want to make sure that you and your family get plugged in in the right places. Okay, so it's great to have you here this morning, and we thank you for being a special guest with us today. I'm invite you all to stand right now. We're going to ask God's presence on our. Uh, Service today, um, and just that this this time is awesome with each other. All right, let's do that. Let's pray, Lord. I love you, and again, I'm so thankful that you've brought us all back together, God. Thank you for giving us an amazing day to do so. And Lord, um, I just just knowing that there's so many different people in this room, and we all come from different backgrounds, and we've all had so many different things going on this week, God. And Lord, no matter how our week has been, whether it's been good or awful, great. Or maybe not so pleasant. You stay the same. You are always good, and you are always faithful. And right now, you want us to be able to relax, be able to put those stressors and all that anxiety and all the and unpackage everything and just put it off to the side right now and be able to focus on you. And we ask for that kind of presence in this room then over the next few moments, God, as we are able to worship you clearly have full focus and as the word is preached to us today as brother will brings the message that our hearts will be receptive to that and there's no nothing getting in the way of any of that so lord may your spirit of peace and restoration and healing fall on us today as we gather here at your feet to hear from you in your name amen all right greet those around you and we'll get started in a couple minutes
0: father except through me Jesus came and he made a way when there was no way when Jesus was dying on the cross he bowed his head and said it is finished the scripture tells us and historians validate that the veil in the temple was split in two from top to bottom and that was symbolic that now we have access to God amen amen jesus came and made a way when there was no way let's sing to him this morning
2: are you past the point of weary is your burden weight heavy is it all too much to carry let me tell you about my jesus do you feel that empty feeling because shame's done all it's Yes.
3: God, all they got to do is call your name and say, Jesus, Jesus, and he can change your life. He can change their life. And I pray God today that if there's somebody here that doesn't know you or that is in the middle of a struggle, that they would come today before it's too late, lay it down at this altar because we are children of the most high God. And he can take care of anything and everything that we would ever need. And I pray, God, tonight, today that you would be with Brother Will as he brings the message. And we would all open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to hear the message that you have for us so that we can take it and we can carry it out into this lost and dying world. And God, start a revival in me, start a revival in this church, a revival in this community, because it starts with me saying, Jesus, change my life because you can do it and it's these things God that I pray in your precious sweet name Jesus amen
4: Amen. 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 Give him a big hand. That's awesome. Here's, Here's what the Bible says. If we lift Jesus high, he will draw men, women, boys and girls unto himself. And I'm praying that Jesus does that today. Amen. Hey, you can't go wrong talking about Jesus. And if you want your life radically changed and brought back together, he is only one prayer away. But you gotta pray, you gotta pray. Hey, you know what? The, the best thing you can say to me is come up beside me and say, Pastor, I'm praying for you. And not only say that, but do that. I, I, I went through the congregation today and shook hands with hopefully all of you. And, and I'm not pointing anybody out, but some of you look like you could use a prayer. Yeah. So Some of us need people praying for us today, don't we? We, Jason, we need somebody who cares enough about us that's going to go before the throne of God and intercede for us. We need prayer. So before I start this message on prayer, let's pray. And and let's ask God, let's just ask God to to bless each, and you know what, I pray all the time, but I need a special prayer. I'm going to ask Pastor Jose to come up here. Pastor Jose came all the way from Puerto Rico. Give him a big hand. And I tell you what, there, there is something special when Pastor Jose prays in the Puerto Rican language. Brothers, good to have you, man. Well, I love you, buddy. Appreciate what you're doing in Puerto Rico. Would you, would you pray for us? that God would speak to us today. Pray, pray for me that God would use me to speak to the people and, and pray in your own tongue for us. God hears. I think God hears Puerto Ricans more than he hears Americans. So, <laughs> would you pray, buddy? Yes. Señor, te damos toda la gloria, porque tú eres grande, porque tú eres poderoso. Te pido, Dios, que esta mañana tú uses el Pastor Will con poder, Señor. Pero te pido por cada uno de nosotros que podamos abrir nuestros oídos para escuchar tu palabra. Nos ponemos en tus manos, Señor, que son las mejores. Creo fielmente de que tú eres Dios. Gracias, Dios. Usa al Pastor Will esta mañana con poder. En el nombre poderoso de Jesús. En el nombre del Padre, del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo. Amén. Bless you, man. Amen. I didn't understand a word of it until he got to amen, but you know what? That's okay. God did. God did. Thank you, Pastor Jose, praying for us. I'm doing a little series on pray and go because that's what we're doing in our C groups and that's what we're doing for our community. We're praying for our neighbors. Tonight, it's all going to start through our C group. We're going to divide up into teams of two, and we're going to go out into the Fort Smith community, starting right here around this church. We're going to walk down sidewalks. We're going to pray for people who live in homes, real people with real problems. We're going to pray over them. We may not know them. We may not know their situation, but our God knows, and we're going to intercede for them. Then we're just going to leave them a a little door hanger that says, somebody in this town loves you, Kavanaugh Church, and we're praying for you. Let me tell you something, prayer matters. Prayer makes a difference. It all starts with prayer. I don't know if you've heard this true story about two pilots in New Zealand. They were flying a home-built micro light airplane. Now, I, I don't really like getting up in the air in little airplanes. It makes me real nervous. There is no way in the world I would fly in an airplane that I hand-built. Would you? Would you? They were high over a sloping valley near some rugged sections of New Zealand when their engine started sputtering. Then it started coughing, and then it just stopped. Apparently, they had ran out of gas. Well, these two men were Christians, and so they did what believers do when they're in a perilous situation. They started, they were crying out to God. Lord, please save us, help us to make it over this ridge, help us to land this plane safely. And somehow or another, they made it over the ridge, and somehow or another, they found a little strip of concrete, and somehow or another, they were able to land that plane safely. It was a miraculous answer to prayer. But as they rolled to a stop, they looked up and right in front of them was this giant sign. It was a 20-foot billboard that simply said, Jesus is Lord. Yeah. Amen. We need to remind ourselves of that, that Jesus is Lord. In good times and in bad times, Jesus is Lord. Would you affirm that with me verbally? Say it on three. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. That really is where all prayer starts and stops, isn't it? In our desperation and in our need, we cry out to the Lord in earnest prayer, and He works in the midst of our needs and answers our prayers as only He can, and we discover afresh and anew that Jesus is Lord. And you need that today. You need to know Jesus is Lord, and as I said before, He's only a prayer away. I want to take you this morning to one of my favorite statements in the Bible on prayer. It's found in James chapter 5, the end of verse number 16. Here's what it says in the NIV. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Sherry, leave that up there just for a second. I memorized this verse out of the Old King James Version. It says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And that sounds great. I love the way it sounds, but I think it's a little clearer in this modern translation. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Do you believe that? Say it out loud with me. Let's read James five sixteen together. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful. If you believe it, say amen. And what I want to do over the next few minutes is just break this verse down into little phrases so that we can not only understand it, but put it into practice. And it all begins with that word prayer, the prayers, the prayers. This is not the general Greek word for prayer that we find in the scripture. Rather, it is a word that focuses on the needs that we bring before the Lord. It comes from a root word meaning to make known one's need. And if I came to you and said, I want to tell you about the need that I have in my life, it is the word that would describe the conversation that we would have. Sometimes this word is translated in the Bible as supplication. The lexicons use the terms plea or petition or entreaty to describe it. One commentator referred to it and translated it as the beggings. Okay, you get me? The beggings, you're begging the Lord with the needs that you have in your life. It's referring to a prayer request, to a prayer need. So we could accurately translate this verse by saying, the prayers we pray in which we bring our needs before the Lord, those prayers are powerful and effective. And why are they? Because they are a desperate need that you have in your own life. If you were only given one chance, one chance right now, one chance in this service to cry out to God and entreat God for a need that you have in your life, something that you are desperate for, something that you know only He can provide, what is it you would pray for? If I invited you right now to come to the altar and cry out to God and lay your petition before Him, what would be your need? For some of you, it may be a financial need. You're in distress. You can't pay your bills. You're nearing the end of the month and you don't know where the next penny is coming from. You would cry out to God for that need. Others of you are facing physical difficulties. There is pain in your life and you would cry out to God for that. Some of you in this room have a rebellious teenager or a grandchild who has gone astray. And if you were given a chance to pray for anything, you would bring that child before the Lord and you would pray for them today. It could be you, like me, have a lost loved one. Somebody in your family that is without Jesus, they're without hope. And if something doesn't change in their life, they're gonna split hell wide open. And you would bring them before the Lord this morning and cry out and ask God to intervene and save them. It's these prayers, our desperate prayers, when they are prayed by a righteous person, they are powerful and effective. That's the next little phrase right there of a righteous person some people have greater power in prayer than others now you may not like me saying that but you know what it's the truth not everyone's prayers are equally effective the prayers of a righteous person however are powerful and effective righteous people know how to pray righteous people can get through to god I can remember when I was a student at at, uh, Randall University, used to be Hillsdale, we had little prayer groups. Did y'all have prayer groups? We prayed together every night together, and and there was this guy in our group, he he was kind of strange, a little bit unusual, a little quirky, a little quirky. He had something big going on in his life and, and when, when he had something like that, he would ask certain people to pray for him. Some, some, one time, somebody in the prayer group said, well, John, I'll pray with you about that. And he says, I don't want you to pray for me. You don't know how to pray. God doesn't hear your prayers. I want him to pray for me. The prayers of a righteous person Those are the prayers that God hears. So the big question is, who's righteous? Who who fits that description of a righteous person and how do we become righteous? Well, I think that level of righteousness is really twofold. First of all, there is position of righteousness. In theological terms, we call this positional sanctification. We experience that through faith in Jesus Christ. This really is the heart and soul of Christianity. Our God is pure and he's perfectly righteous. He's holy, pure, and good. And the only way we can walk in fellowship with him is to become as he is because we are anything but pure. We are filled with sin for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it is our sin that separates us from a holy and righteous God. So so what do we do? The only way we can have a presence with God is through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the reason Jesus came and died on the cross, to save us from our sins, so that we could have fellowship with God. And when you invite Jesus into your heart and He moves into your life and forgives you of your sins, When God now looks at you, what he sees is Jesus inside of you. He no longer sees that sin. He sees the imputed righteousness that only comes through a relationship with his son, Jesus. So how do we become righteous? We put on Jesus Christ. We invite Jesus into our life, and he makes us righteous. That's positional sanctification. Not only is there this position of righteousness, but also there is righteousness in progress, in practice. We call it progressive sanctification. I am made right in Jesus Christ, but you know what? Every day I am to be more like Jesus. I am to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. I am to be more holy and godly today than I was a day ago. It's progressive in our relationship with Jesus. On the flip side of that, it is possible to be a Christian, but to allow sin and distraction to crowd into our lives, and get this, hinder our prayer lives. Because if you're a believer and you have unconfessed sin in your life... God is under no obligation to hear your prayer. In fact, the only prayer he's going to hear from you is that prayer asking him to forgive you and to cleanse you of your unrighteousness. If you don't believe me, let me just put a couple of verses on the screen that prove it. Isaiah chapter 59 says, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear but your iniquities have separated you from your god your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you how about psalm 66 18 if i had cherished sin in my heart the lord would not have listened to me so sin separates us from god And the only way you can be a righteous prayer warrior is by having forgiveness in your life and confessing your sins to the Lord and pleading His forgiveness. That's why it's important to read all of James chapter 5, verse 16. I love the end of this verse, but it is in its context that we need to hear today. So what does the whole verse say? James 5, 16 really says this, "...therefore confess your sins one to another." That is, after you've confessed them to God, we confess them to one another, we come clean. We say, hey, I've struggled with this, I've sinned here. We confess our sins one to another, and what do we do then? We pray one for another, so that we can be healed. There's not anybody in this room who's any better than anybody else in this room. I mean, we're all sinners who have been saved by the grace of Jesus. We're on a level playing field. We need God and we need each other. So confess your sins, pray for one another. And here's our statement, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So if I were to ask you the question this morning, why should we live a holy life? Why should we remain pure? Why should we avoid these things that contaminate our mind? Well, there's a lot of answers to those questions. One, we want to please God. Number two, we want to be healthy people. Number three, we want to be a good testimony for Jesus to others. But one of the greatest motivations toward holiness is so that our prayers can be powerful and effective. This verse says that the petitions... The pleadings, the pleas, the entreaties of a righteous man or a righteous woman are what? Powerful and effective. And that brings us to the next two words in our verse. They are powerful and effective. The primary Greek word here is the word from which we get our English word energy from. The prayers of a righteous person produce a great and effectual energy. And somehow in the design and wisdom of God, it's prayer that really accomplishes God's work in this planet. Prayer makes a difference. Prayer makes the impossible possible. Prayer moves mountains. Prayers change lives. I want to throw a picture of a lady up on the screen. Anybody of y'all know her? Have y'all seen this lady before? Anybody? She kind of looks like your grandmother or great-grandmother, doesn't she? Her name is Pearl Good. Anybody heard of her? Good. I get to tell you something you don't know this morning. She is an awesome lady. I've, I've, I've read several stories about her. Some have given her a nickname, the little old lady from Pasadena. Why? Because she was from Pasadena, California. She was a private nurse way back in 1949. That was before home health care, but she was doing it before we talked about it. 1949, a private nurse. She was taking care of this millionaire in San Marino. And one day she picked up a newspaper and was thumbing through it, and she came across an advertisement for a big tent revival, a crusade that was gonna happen that night in downtown Los Angeles, on the corner of Hill and Washington streets. Well, she didn't think much about it, but as the day progressed, God kept bringing that back to her mind. And so a fire started in her soul to go to that camp fire revival, that camp meeting, that tent revival. And so when she got off work at five o'clock, she she drove down and found a parking place and, and went into that tent. It was filled with people and running over. And Pearl Good was moved greatly by this young preacher, this young evangelist who was at yet largely unknown to the world. You know what his name was? Billy Graham. You know what, there may be some young people in here who've never heard of Billy Graham. You need to go home and Google Billy Graham. One of the greatest evangelists the world has ever seen. But did you know up until 1949, he, he was unknown? This Los Angeles crusade in 1949 catapulted him to the attention of the whole world. Well, Miss Pearl began to get involved in the prayer meetings that took place there on a daily basis. God so touched her heart through those sermons that he preached that she started praying for this young preacher. Pearl Good, this 65 year old nurse, developed a burden in her soul to pray for Billy Graham. He was just a boy she went on to say. He was just a boy, but God spoke to me about him. He showed me and told me that he would preach all over the world and he called me to pray for him. God told me that he was called as no other man was called in this age to preach the gospel and he must preach all over the world and my job was to pray for him. So for the next 23 years, until Pearl Good was 88, she prayed daily for Billy Graham. During the early years, she's paved her own way, traveling over 48,000 miles on a Greyhound bus, traveling, traveling secretly to city after city where he would be preaching. She would rent a motel room and pray through the night and day for the success of his meetings. She didn't do any sightseeing, she didn't let anybody else know that she was there, but she traveled in Billy Graham's shadow, even to overseas location. She missed her children's birthday parties. She missed the birthday parties of her great-grandchildren, but she was on a divine assignment. She called it her hidden ministry. Well, eventually it became known to the members of Graham's team Who happened to notice this little old lady from Pasadena was hanging around the prayer tent during the mornings, city after city, and so they made contact with her and found out what was going on. From that point on, they paid for her expenses, but they never interfered with her hidden ministry. Her prayers helped launch a ministry that lasted over six decades and led thousands, perhaps even millions of people to faith in Jesus Christ. You want to know why Billy Graham was so powerful? You want to know how come his ministry lasted so long and so many people came to faith in Jesus Christ? He had the little old lady from Pasadena praying for him. What a great story. Can I tell you that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective, they work. That's a great story, but you know what? James tops it because in the next verse he starts talking about Elijah. Elijah was a man like us. He has this example of a prayer warrior that he wants to give us. It is the prophet Elijah. He says this in verse 17, Elijah was a man just like us. The old King James says he was a man subject to like passions as we are, just like us. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced her crops. Amazing story. I want you to notice the adverb, earnestly. Some translations use the word fervently. Elijah didn't just pray. He prayed earnestly. And I really think that's where many of us stumble and and fall in our own prayers. When I was reading that story of Pearl Good, I was impressed with one statement she made in the interview. Here's what she said, prayer is hard work. Now let me, back in the day, there were a lot of people who didn't like Billy Graham. They were his critics. So they not only criticized him, they they criticized everybody in, in his ministry. And they even criticized the little old lady from Pasadena. They claimed that she was just getting a, a free vacation to city after city. Well, it irritated this little old grandmother, and she said, "fooey on them. You let them come with me and stay in my motel room and spend all night on your knees in prayer, agonizing over people and lost souls and Billy Graham. She said, prayer is hard work, and it really is. So what does earnest prayer look like? Well, according to James, we can see earnest prayer in action as we read the story of Elijah. So let me just spend a a moment in this message and show you a couple of stories in Elijah's life. We're introduced to him in 1 Kings chapter 17. Here's what it says in verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Now, we're not told in this particular passage that Elijah brought about this drought by his prayers, but you know what, James tells us that. It was through his prayer that they went through a drought of three and a half years. Sometime later, during the time of that drought, Elijah went down and lived with a family whose son died. He was staying in this widow's house. There was an apartment upstairs and he stayed there. During that time, this widow's son died. Look what happened in verse 19 of 1 Kings chapter 17. Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and he laid him on his back. Then he cried out to the Lord. O oh Lord my God, have you brought tragedy also upon this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy 3 times and cried out to the Lord, "O oh Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him." And it happened. God did a miracle, he intervened, this boy came back to life. Now, that is an example of earnest, fervent prayer. Amen? It says that he cried out to the Lord, and it says that three times he stretched himself out over the problem. That's earnest praying. So listen to me, church. There are going to be times in your life when you have to stretch yourself out over a problem and cry out to God one time, two times, three times until he sees fit to solve the problem. Now look at the next chapter, 1 Kings chapter 18. This is the story of Elijah's contest on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. I don't have time to talk about this much. Let me just read what happens in verse 36 and following. It says, at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and he prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all of these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice the wood, the stones, the soil, and also it licked up the water in the trench. Bam! (laughs) There's God doing something big again. But then at the end of the chapter, we have given to us the incident that James is referring to in James chapter five, the end of this three and a half year drought. Look at verse 42 of 1 Kings 18. Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel. He bent down on the ground and put his face between his knees. You know what he's doing? He's praying. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times he prayed. And he said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising up from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Have you ever heard that phrase, praying up a storm? Well, it comes right here from this story. Elijah was a mighty man of prayer. I mean, just think about his prayers. His prayers shut up heaven so that there was no rain nor dew for three and a half years. His prayers raised the dead boy back to life. His prayers called down fire from heaven and rain from the skies. He prayed three times earnestly for this boy and seven times earnestly that it would rain. And the power of his ministry was wrapped up in the potency of his prayer. And yet, here's what I want you to know. He was not a superman. We, we think he was, oh, Elijah the superman. No. Remember what James said? James tells us he was a man just like you and me. Or as the King James says, he was subject to like passions as we are. That means he put his pants on one leg at a time. Just like you, just like me. The point James is making is this. Elijah is an example for all of us regarding the earnestness of our prayers and the power that we can have when we get on our knees. Now I don't know about you, but I want to learn how to pray more earnestly, more powerfully, more effectively. But, but how do we do that? You know, sometimes I, th- I think that we think, well, in, in order to pray so God hears, I, I've gotta have a certain lingo that works. I've gotta have a Bible lingo. I need, to, I need to speak in the King James Version so he hears me. I, I need to know how to pray eloquently. So that others say, wow, he must really be a prayer warrior or she really knows how to pray. Did you know that kind of thinking can get us into trouble? That's not from Jesus. Here's what Jesus said about prayer in Matthew chapter 5. When you pray, you shouldn't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but you, when you pray, go to your room, go to your closet, go to your inner room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. That's how you do it. That's how you learn how to pray in your secret place. So as I land this little handmade aircraft, (laughs) let me give you five suggestions I think worth writing down. Number one, why don't you memorize James chapter five, 16 verse B, memorize it out of any translation you want to. NIV says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You know, that's only 10 words. You can memorize that. But not only memorize it, apply it. Memorize the verse, claim it, apply it in your own situation. And and change that little word man to whatever you need. The prayer of a righteous daddy is effective. The prayer of a righteous mama is effective. Can I tell you something? Even though your kids grow up and they leave the house, they're still your responsibility. I, I say this all the time and I mean it. If you don't pray for your kids and your grandkids, who's going to? They're, they're your responsibility. And can I tell you this? As they get older, it actually gets harder to parent them, to pray for them, to intercede for them. The prayer of a righteous husband, the prayer of a righteous wife, the prayer of a righteous teenager is powerful and effective. You memorize that verse. You apply it to your own life and you put it into practice. Number two, you need to find a secret place to pray. You you need to find a closet. Go in there and shut the door and get your heart right with God, become a righteous person, and pray. Number three, pour yourself into it. Pray earnestly, pray fervently. Number four, don't worry about time. You need time with God. And if he really is as important to your life as you say he is, give him a little bit of your time. And then, number five, allow God to answer in his own way. And when you're out of fuel and your engine is sputtering and clanking and cluttering, and you come in for a landing as God answers your prayer, remember those words on the sign at the end of the runway of answered prayer Jesus is Lord. Jesus changes everything. And Jesus is only a prayer away. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. Some of you need to ask Jesus into your hearts. You need to become righteous and have his righteousness imputed into your life. Would you come this morning and pray that prayer? It's called the sinner's prayer, where you admit that you're a sinner, you believe in Jesus, you repent of your sins and invite him into your heart. If you've never done that, I invite you to come and do it. And if you're a Christian today and you've allowed sin to cut off your communication with God, would you come to the altar and claim 1 John 1, 9? It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So come this morning and become that righteous prayer warrior that our world needs. And whatever the Lord is burdening your heart with today, come and pray for it. Specifically, I'm going to ask that you come and pray for your neighbors the people who live around this church, the people in the River Valley. Come and begin praying for them so that when we go out today and this week through Pray and Go, the prayers have already started. Heavenly Father, move amongst us. Draw us to yourself. And for those who need to come and pray at the altar, help them to do so right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? heads bowed and eyes closed, praise team's gonna sing. Why don't you come and pray? sing another verse. If you need to come, don't hesitate. Don't wait. You'll regret it. Come on right now. As God calls you to himself, come and pray. Lord, we thank you for that grace, the grace of God that covers us and ministers to us and helps make us to be the people you've called us to be. Lord, I, I love you so much today. I thank you for James 5.16. Help me, dear Lord, to become a righteous prayer warrior for you. I pray out of Kavanaugh Church we would have dozens, hundreds of people. Who become righteous prayer warriors so that our prayers make a difference and dear lord as we lift up those needs and burdens and prayer requests i pray that you would answer them as only you can lord jesus we love you help us to let our lights shine for you in jesus name amen amen god bless you you can be seated just for a moment Uh, like I love I love Pearl Good, don't you? And I just love that story. I wish I could have told it to you better. Every time I, I read it, thought about it this week, it, man, it, it brought a tear to my eye and made me cry. And then I, I heard I remembered uh, hearing about this uh, church member who was griping to another church member about how bad of a preacher they had and how sorry his sermons were. And uh, and the friend said, "Well, that may be the case, but let me ask you, have." Have you prayed for the pastor this week? Have, have you prayed and asked God to help him as he preaches? And the guy said, no. And the friend says, well, why don't you start with that and we'll see where it goes. So you can take that for what it's worth, but I would, boy, I tell you what, I'd love to have some pearl goods praying for me every time I preach. You know what? It might be better in here if we all prayed. It's just a thought. I don't know. Hey, if you're a Kavanaugh Church member, when you walk out the door, make sure you drop your offering in that little black box. We'd appreciate it. C groups are meeting tonight. Only this week and next week will they meet and we're doing our pray and go. It's going to be, it's non-threatening. It's not scary. We're dividing up in, in pairs of two. We're walking through designated neighborhoods. We're praying for people in houses, leaving them a little door hanger, letting them know Kavanaugh Church loves you and we're praying for you. If you can participate, we'd love to have you do that. Now, listen to me. Everybody look at me. Wednesday night. Where are you going to be this Wednesday night at 7 p.m.? Oh, I hope you're coming here. You know why? Special guest speaker is going to be here. A guy named Kendall Ross. Is that name familiar with any of y'all? Brother Kendall was on our church staff for years and years. He did the music ministry here until God called Kendall to become a senior pastor, and now he pastors the Free Will Baptist Church in Ozark. I don't know of anyone who's any smarter than Brother Kendall. I mean, he is a brilliant theologian, a great pastor, and a wonderful speaker. We're inviting him to come back home to Kavanaugh and preach for us this Wednesday night. And if you come, I know you will be blessed and challenged. I think the Second Service Praise Team is going to lead us in worship Wednesday night. So it's going to be great music. It's going to be an awesome sermon. I asked Brother Kendall to twist Sister Denise's arm and bring her and have her sing, so hopefully she'll do that. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, where are you going to be? Oh boy! Lord, please help them to come with me. Oh, goodness. Would you pray for the, the Virginia McKinney family? Miss Virginia is a long time member of Cavanaugh Church. She uh, went home to be with the Lord and we're gonna have her funeral here at the church one o'clock tomorrow. What an amazing lady. So pray for the McKinney family and be here tomorrow if you can. May 21st, we're having graduation Sunday. So if you're graduating or one of your kids are graduating from either high school or college, make sure you sign up on an iPad out in the lobby. We want to honor you. And one last thing, The Way to Recovery, a new recovery ministry is going to start this next Sunday night at 6 p.m. Be praying for that and come to the church next Sunday night for The Way to Recovery. It's going to be fantastic. God bless you. Hope you have a great day. Stay out of trouble.